0: I can't wait to share uh, a story from scripture that hopefully we find ourselves in it. Um, It's one thing to know what happened. It's a whole other thing to ask what is happening in me right now because of it. And I think if we can find ourselves in this story and then apply it to our lives, we, we, we'll, um, our lives will just get one or two, three degrees better. And, and if we hold that over the course of a long period of time, we're a totally different person. So it's, it's an honor to be here with you as always uh, with the Quippers. Let me take a second and say hello to everybody and all the churches that Sam just mentioned that are being live streamed to. It's an honor to, to, to be with you today. And um, I hope that Jesus gets bigger, the cross works better, the resurrection is central, and scriptures get bigger, not smaller for you today. Um, I can't wait to share this with you. For those of you here live, um, a couple things on, the way, on your way out today. Um, my, my team's out there with a resource table set up. Um, CDs, DVDs, USBs, direct downloads um, uh, of our resources, uh, our teaching uh, resources. So 100% of what we make from that, um, the profit, we give to the poor and the afflicted. The reason we carry that around with us is because we make a lot of money from it. And the reason we do that is because we live with a conviction that we're not simply called to go to heaven one day when we die. We are called to say yes to the infinite possibilities God has for our life here now today to bring heaven here. And so we have three, or the, our missions of choice is we have three orphanages in China that look after children with mental disabilities, two in Hinyang, one in Changsha. And we also have a rescue home in Cape Town that gets girls out of sex trafficking. But we don't just do that, we get them off drugs, high school educated, and job trained so we can break the cycle of poverty in the Cape Town Flats, all right? So that's, that's what we do with that. One other thing before we get going, I'd like to give you an authentic, heartfelt invitation back to the 5 o'clock service. I've got something very special planned um, for that. So if you, if you give us an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, however long the service is uh, tonight, I promise you it will it'll change your life. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I believe so much that what we're going to do tonight will change your life, um, that if you, if you put aside the, the, the hour and a half or whatever, that, that it would take you to, to do that. If you put aside that and you come tonight and it doesn't change your life, that's how much I believe in it. I will personally, out of my own pocket, I'll refund whatever equipper's charges you to come, okay? So, so whatever the ticket costs, I'll give it back, all right? All right so it's a, it's a risk-free thing, right? So, so come on back tonight at 5. I, I can't wait to share that with you. All right, so um, I want to look at the book of Genesis with you. I want to go all the way back um, to the beginning, Genesis chapter 25. Uh, we'll, we'll get to there in a second. And I want to talk to you about the thing that I think you, one of the things that unites us all. And that is this, there's all kinds of different people and personalities and passions and and energies. There's all kinds of that represented But here's the one thing, one of the things that unites us all, and that is this. No matter what you are, we all want to be seen as a person of influence, reasonably successful. We want our lives to get better. This is something that unites, and that's true if you're here today and you're an extrovert. So no matter where you go, you're the life of the party. You're an extrovert, that would be true about you. Or if you're an introvert. And and, and you're so introverted, in fact, that this is the first time you've left your home since Netflix was introduced to New Zealand, right? (laughs) Right? Introvert, extrovert, amnivert, pervert, whatever you are, right? Right? We all want to be seen as someone whose life is getting better. And here's the thing. It's a multi-billion dollar industry writing books about here's the eight things, right? It's, it's this kind of thing. And this is why they sell so many books. It's because it unites us. But the truth of it is, is that being a person of influence and success is really a function of making really good decisions over a long period of time. That's what it is. It's it's if you make really good decisions over a long period of time, your life will as a function get Better, get more quality, live in wisdom. And and there's a couple things that sabotage that. And and the thing is, it's not a secret. It's the first lie ever recorded. It's in the Genesis story. And what happens is is this this serpent tells Eve that the best life is found in navigating good and evil well. So the lie is, is that if you just get right and wrong correct, your life will be good. That is a lie. That is a lie. Here's why. You could do a thousand good things in a week, and if you make one failure, you'll go to bed obsessing about the one place you missed it. So and and the other reason it's a lie is there's a lot of things that aren't wrong that will destroy your life. It's true. Like if you eat bacon at every meal, is that wrong? Not really. Is it wise? No. Can you eat bacon at every meal and still go to heaven? Yes. Quickly, right? <laughs> right? Is it, is it wrong to buy a $60,000 car on a $50,000 income? No, but you're gonna be broke. You're gonna be broke. And you're gonna sit back and blame Satan. Satan. Satan's attacking my finances. No, no, he did not. You just did something so stupid he could take the day off with you. No, he did not. No. You bought something you can't afford with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. You're going to be broke, right? Not wrong, just not wise. And so the serpent says, hey, if you get right and wrong right, your life will be better. That is not true. That's not true. The serpent asks, right or wrong. God asks something more profound. What is wise? What is wise? Not right or wrong. What is wise? What is wise gives us less wiggle room on things. Because there's a lot of things we can rationalize as not wrong, but eventually they will destroy our lives. Eventually they will. The, the, The second lie of the serpent was there's something outside of you that you don't currently have that if you just had it, you'd feel better. You'd be more whole. You'd be more at peace. You'd be more like God. There's something you don't currently have. That if you just had it, that's the answer to the lack you feel inside. There's something. Philosophically, it's called the lie of the sacred object. The idea that if I just get that, I'll feel better. No, you won't. Even if it's a good thing. Like if I, if I just lost this weight, I'd feel better. No, you won't. And if you need to lose weight, please lose weight. But, but losing weight is just, if, if you're not enough, it's a good thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. You'll just be a 15 kilo lighter version of your discontented self. It does not... It doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work, right, right? Oh, oh, or it could be a person. Oh, Shane, if I could just get married, I'd feel better. If I could just get married, I just wanna meet someone. I just wanna meet someone. I just wanna be married, Shane. I just wanna be married. If I could be married, I'd feel more whole. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because there's no such thing as a happy marriage that was forged between two miserable single people. Doesn't work, you'll never hear that. You'll never hear this testimony. God, we hated our lives, but then we got married. It fixed it all. No, (laughs) marriage doesn't solve problems. Marriage magnifies them, right? (laughs) Or a raise. If I could just make more money, I'd feel better. No, you won't. No, you won't. And and listen, I hope you make more money. I do. I do. So that you can be more generous. I do. I want you to make as much money as, as you possibly can. That is a good thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Never, never, ever, ever, right? You just become a richer version of the discontent, right? And so, so the serpent says, get right and wrong correct, and it'll change your life. No, it won't. No, it won't. Because the better question is not what is right and what is wrong. The better question is what is wise. If you only consider, is this right or wrong, you will destroy your life. And the other temptation is, hey, spend your whole life chasing the one thing you don't have to make you feel better. And then what you find is you'll get to 85 years old and realize your whole life was just simply chasing that next one thing. It's a lie. There's a better way to do it. And there's a great story that illustrates this, and I hope we can find ourselves in it. If you could bring that first slide up for me. So it says this. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. While Jacob was a quiet man staying amongst the tents, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Keep going. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. If you're a note taker, red stew its really important. I'm famished. And then there's this parenthetical thing. That is why he was also called Edom, right? So whoever is writing this, adds something later, says, hey, hey, that's why we still call him Edom. It's, it's a joke. I'll tell you that in a second. Next slide. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said, which I think we can all agree is a bit of an exaggeration, right? I'm about to die, right? (laughs) What good is the birthright to me? Now, if you're a note taker, you want to note that phrase, what good is the birthright to me? That is why Esau is the most hated man in all rabbinical literature. He's the most godless person. When the rabbis talk about the person you don't want to be like, they talk about Esau. And that's weird because the Old Testament is full of nefarious sort of characters. Ahab, Manasseh, people who did crazy stuff. They said, nah, nah, just don't be like Esau. Don't be like Esau. What good is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Keep going. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. And he ate and he drank. And then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now I wanna talk to you about your birthright. I wanna talk to you about your potential. I wanna talk to you about your influence. I wanna talk to you about decisions about that. I wanna give you a better filter for decision making. There's so much going on in this story. If you could bring that next slide up for me. First, you got a dysfunctional family. You got a dad who loves one kid more and a mom who makes up for that for loving the other kid more. This is not how you do family. It's weird. It's weird. you got all kinds of things going on. Jacob. Now, Jacob, if your name's Jacob today, that's a good name. That's a fantastic name. But you would never name your kid Jacob in ancient Israel. Never. Because the word Jacob means liar. Be weird. Go to bed, liar. Get up, liar. Do your chores, liar. Right? God graciously changes this man's name later to Israel. He's like, we can't have this. Right? right? You can't, like, j- liar. Esau's this man's man, you know, he's like this hunter. He's got this thing going on, right? Next next slide. So Esau comes in from the open country, and he's hungry, and he sees Jacob cooking red stew. Now, in English it says, let me have some of that red stew. Now, the translators add the word stew, and that's not wrong because a translator's job is to make it readable. Because in Hebrew, it's like a caveman came in, right? Here's what he does. This is literally all it says in Hebrew. He's, Esau comes in and says, give me some of that ha-adam, ha-adam. Ha-adam, ha-adam. It's so weird, it's caveman ha-adam, ha-adam, ha-adam. Ha adam, ha adam, ha 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 adam. ha, ha adam, ha, ha adam, ha adam. Literally, ha is the adam is red. So he says, the red, the red. Ha adam, ha adam. Give me the red. Give me the red stuff. That red stuff. See, in ancient Hebrew, there was no superlatives. So, so you would go to say peace. You would say shalom. To say big peace, you would say shalom, shalom. (laughs) And to say really, really big peace, you'd go shalom, shalom, shalom. So for him to come in and go, ha Adam, ha Adam, give me some of that red stuff, that red stuff. I really, 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 really want the red stuff. Ha Adam, ha Adam. And he trades his birthright for this bowl of ha-adam, ha-adam. Now, adam is red. Edom means red guy. So here's what happens. They change his name to a nickname to remind him of his failure for the rest of his life, right? It's sort of like this. Have, have, have you ever been to like junior high camp and you did something stupid and your friends give you a nickname that sticks to your 40, right? It's, it's that. So, so for the rest of Esau's life and thousands of years later, we're still reading this going Edom, right? For the rest of his life, they're like, hey, red dude, what's up, red? What's up? Hey, are you that guy that traded his birthright for a bowl of ha-adom? Hot, hot? Hey, what's up, red? What's going on, bro? Edom, what's happening? Now, so it says Esau despised his birthright. Now, the word translated despise there is the word we get the word profanity from. He profaned it. Now, to profane means to take something that is sacred and treat it as if it's common. So so it would be profanity if somebody took a sacred thing and did something common with it. And and so what what Esau does in this story is he takes this holy, sacred opportunity to be alive. And he trades everything he could be for one momentary urge. And that is profanity. Profanity. That is taking the holy, sacred thing that is your life and treating it as if nothing else matters more than that momentary urge. That is despising what you can be. There's one more thing going on here. Uh, Next slide. There's the, the Hebrew idea of the word iniquity. Now, the Hebrew word iniquity is the word avon. You know, like the makeup company, avon, right? Avon. Now, now, ancient Hebrew was all pictures. Every Hebrew word is a comic strip. The A is an eyeball, means to see, like behold, look, right? The, the, the V is a hook, like a fish hook. And the N is fish multiplying, right? Like a crescendo in music. So when an ancient Hebrew person read the word iniquity, here's what they read. Whatever your eye hooks to multiplies. Whatever gets your attention gets bigger, Whatever. Hey, hey, the forbidden fruit, Eve, this will make you feel better. Huge iniquity. Oh, that new car, that'll make you feel better. Huge iniquity, right? Oh, that new shirt, that'll make you feel better. Oh, if you just had that shirt, or that woman, or that guy, or that bank account. Oh, oh, ha-adam, ha-adam. The red stuff, ha-adam, ha-adam. And here's what happens. Esau comes in, and his eye hooks to the ha-adam, ha-adam. And he loses perspective on everything else he could be for that. one momentary urge of ha-adam, ha-adam. Give me that red stuff, that red stuff. Ha-adam, ha-adam. This is not just a story about two brothers in the ancient wilderness. This is about me, and it's about you, and it's about what we choose to let our eye hook to that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. A later writer says, be sure to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of it. In other words, keep your eye on the main thing because when our eye wonders that thing, our need for it gets bigger and bigger and we get this obsessive desire believing if we just get that next sacred object, then maybe I'll feel better about myself. And what we find by 80 is that if we keep putting our faith in the next ha adam, we live disappointed and from urge to urge to urge to urge. Now see, we might be thinking, because we live in the Western world, so what? He traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. Is that really that bad? Like, honestly, And that's because in the Western world, we don't really have a concept of birthright. We have a concept of inheritance. Right? Which is where your, your dad dies and you end up being able to build your life partly on the back of what he built his life on. And then there's that. And that's a good thing as well. But we don't really have a concept of birthright. So let, let me show you really quickly what a Hebrew concept, when, when a Hebrew person said birthright, what did they mean by that? Ne- ne- next slide. So, so the birthright was carrying the family name for survival. There was no central courthouse that had a record of who owned what. Like the birthright was, it's your responsibility to carry our family name on for survival. It was an imagery for everything your family stood for. In, 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 in that culture, it entitled you to twice the inheritance because, because your, your responsibility was so much bigger as the firstborn, it, 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 they paid you double the inheritance, not because that needed to go to your pocket, but because you were gonna have to spend that over the course of time. Just to just to go for it. Like, for instance, one of the things that would happen is, is that if, if any of your brothers died, you had to marry all of his wives, right? Now, they had an average of four wives apiece. So if you have eight brothers, and through a series of unfortunate events, they all die, you have just inherited 32 women and all their children. Can you see where the double portion never really made it to your pocket? It was going to Target and stuff, right? Like Woolworths. New world. You had to. You had to. Spend, like you had to do this kind of thing. Es- essentially, I'll say it this way. Uh, it was, when, when, a, when an ancient Hebrew person said birthright. It was a summary statement of everything that you could possibly be. It was. It was your whole destiny. So 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 in this story. Esau's going, what good is everything I could possibly be? What good is my entire potential in life? What good is everything God has called me to be? What good is this holy, sacred thing, this privilege to be alive? What good is all of that if I die without the ha-adam, ha-adam? And he's willing to trade everything he could be for that one momentary urge of hunger, for that one momentary thing. And once again, Anything wrong with a bowl of stew? No. But when you trade everything you could be for that bowl of stew, it's not about right or wrong. It's about what is wise. The right or wrong lie could ruin Esau's life here, and it can ruin yours because it's very easy to rationalize. Oh, anything wrong with that bowl of stew? Nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with eating that bowl of stew. But when you trade everything you could be for that ha-adam, ha-adam, it can be a real problem now let's let's talk about this a few different ways next slide so esau traded everything he could be for one momentary urge and that is still how life works you can ruin your reputation with one momentary urge good decisions do not work like bank accounts It's not like if you make 20 years of great decisions that you get 20 years of horrendous decisions before you get back to even. That's not the way it works. You can ruin 20 years of great decisions with one ha-adam, ha-adam. You can ruin 20 years of good business practice with one ha-adam, ha-adam. You can ruin 20 years of a great marriage with one ha-adam, ha-adam. You can ruin it. Let's talk about it this way. Next slide. So this this story is common in scripture and it's common in our lives where we trade birthrights for bowls. We trade everything we could be for one bowl. It it starts early, Moses in Exodus three. Here's essentially what happens. God says, hey Moses, I've got a huge plan for you, man. I want you to liberate all of these slaves and usher them into the promised land. And if you go back and look at the story, Moses is like, yeah, but I don't speak well. I gotta see him public speaking. Right. So God comes up and goes, hey, I got this huge plan for you and your best excuses. Yeah, but you haven't heard me speak. I'm not great at this. So, so Moses was willing to trade everything he could be for the bowl of I don't have the skill. I'd rather sit in the insecurity of I don't have the skill. Oh, man, man. And that so you guys, you guys are a part of this great international movement called Equippers which has plenty of open spots for us to get involved and make a difference. And we might sit back and go, you know what, I'd love to, but I just don't have the skill. And we trade everything we could possibly be to bow to the insecurity of not having the skill. Years later, you got this guy named Gideon, right? In Judges six, where this same group of people ends up back in slavery. They end up back there, right? And God says, hey! Hey, Gideon, I got this huge plan for you, man. I want you to liberate these people again. And remember Gideon's response? He's like, what? Why me? Like, check your geography. Like, my tribe is the least of all 12 tribes, and my clan is the least of the tribe, and my family's the least of the clan, and I'm the least of my family. (laughs) If you follow his logic there, My tribe is the least of all the tribes. My clan's the least of all that. My family's the least of the clan, and I'm the least of my family. He's literally saying, I'm literally the worst person on earth for you to choose to do this. (laughs) God says, no, i got this huge plan for you, bro. And he was willing to trade it momentarily for a bowl of, I don't have the heritage. I don't have the family. You see this again later. Next slide. You see it in Jeremiah. Jeremiah and Jeremiah 1. He says he says hey i got this huge plan for you and remember what jeremiah says yeah but i'm too young i don't know how young young would have been back then he says I, i'm too young i'm just I, i'm just a child and god says what are you ta- who's who gave me what, what what are you talking about i've got this huge plan for you jeremiah and jeremiah's excuse is i just don't have the maturity yet you know and, and, and then of course Jesus in Matthew 23, he's talking to Israel and he goes, he goes, oh, how I long to use you and gather you together. But you were not willing. We tend to be tempted all the time, not with right or wrong, but with trading everything we could be for something smaller than that. It's not about right or wrong. It's about trading everything we could be for some ha-adam, ha-adam. Let, let me show it to you this way. Next slide. This is Jesus in Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. In other words, I've got this huge plan for you, and that excuse is yeah, but I'm just not willing to go there. I'd rather do something else that's not wrong. I'd rather go engage in some activity, and what, you going to make a case, hey, hey, is sitting around binging Netflix, is it wrong? No. Is it wise? Not really. Sometimes you should put a day aside to rest and recharge and do something like that, but if you're binge watching four hours of Netflix every day, I would suggest there's some far greater potential for your life. Right? Like, hey, Shane, anything wrong with playing Fortnite 25 hours a week? No, but not when you're going to complain every week about being broke. Fortnite is not providing money for anybody who didn't develop Fortnite, right? People hey, anything wrong with sitting around playing video games? Not wrong. It's probably just not wise. It's not going to get you to your potential. It's trading something far more holy for something far more temporary. It's, it's, it's this. Hey, hey anything wrong? You see, this is why the right or wrong thing can destroy us. Because there's lots of things that aren't wrong, but they don't get us anywhere. They don't make us, they don't make us better people at all. Ch- check this out. This is, um, uh, next one. This is, a, this is the writer of Hebrews, and he's pointing this out. This is incredibly sort of harsh language, you know? See to it that no one is sexually immoral. Or is godless, godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance right as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Here's what happened in the story, right? Esau sells everything he could be for one bowl of beans. Four hours later, he's a little hungry again, and he regrets his decision. Why? Anything wrong with a bowl of beans? No. The problem is it's temporary. The best meal on earth, by my experience, is temporary. You could could go get the best steak in New Zealand. The best steak in New Zealand. It doesn't matter how good that meal is. Four hours later, it wants out, and you want hungry again. Right? It's not right or wrong. It's just temporary. Here's what happens. Esau trades everything he could be for one meal. Sold his inheritance rights for one meal. And then he realized four hours later, boy, as good as that was, that was temporary. That didn't do what I thought it would do. Oh, no. And what he tries to do is he goes to his father and asks his father to reverse the decision. Now, I want to be very clear about this. This passage has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with him asking God to forgive him. Nothing. God forgave him. That is not the issue. What's happening in this story that's being referenced in Hebrews is he went back to his earthly father and said, will you reverse the decision I made? And even though he was crying about it, the father would not reverse it. Sometimes we make decisions that are so destructive, even in great tears, we can't reverse the consequences of it. You can't. And so people say, I can do anything I want and God will forgive me. Yeah, sure if your goal is to be forgiven, right? But if your goal is to have a quality life, that logic doesn't work, right? Right? You say, oh, oh, the cross covers it all. Calvary covered it all, right? Right? Oh, covers it all, even this stupidity. Yes, you're right if your whole goal is to go to heaven when you die, which I guess is an okay goal if you're 107, right? If you're 107, it's okay to sit on your butt and wait to go to heaven when you die. It's sort of right around the corner. But here's the thing, right? If you're 27, that's a long life to live with a ruined reputation, selling everything you could be for one momentary urge. And the word they use for this here is godlessness. Now here's why that's weird. Hebrews chapter 12 comes right after Hebrews chapter 11. (laughs) And in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews lists the heroes of the faith. If you go read their stories, they all made huge mistakes. I'm talking about mistakes with zeros attached, (laughs) right? Abraham gave his wife to Pharaoh's harem. That was a mistake. Isaac did something similar. Moses premeditated, murdered a guy. Lapse in judgment. Samson was sleeping with prostitutes on his wedding night because he got depressed because his best man stole his wife. Eh. Jephthah did something crazy. Solomon had a thousand women. That probably wasn't wise. And if you're hearing the irony in that, right? Although... You know, the guy had a thousand women. And God's like, I think I'll use you to write the book on wisdom. Right? Can <laughs> you imagine that conversation? Are you the guy that successfully navigated the affections of a thousand women? Yes. You've got to be the smartest guy on earth. <laughs> Let's write a book together. You know? Here's the thing, right? In Scripture and in our life, It's never about living mistake free because no one does. What set, the writer of Hebrews is going, these guys, heroes, Esau, godless, godless. Now, the word godless there is the same word that gets translated profanity again. What made him godless was he negated the holy thing about being alive and sold it for one urge. What good is my birthright to me? What? That that attitude ruins your life. What good's my birthright? See, why these other guys are listed as heroes even though they made mistakes is if you go back and read their story, none of them ever lost sight of the bigger thing. None of them ever said, what good's my birthright? None of them, and along the way, they made mistakes with zeros attached to it, but they were still heroes. Why? Because in their heart, they spent their life chasing their birthright instead of the next urge. What you don't want is a godless life. What is a godless life? It's not a wrong life. A godless life is a life that chases the next urge instead of selling out to the potential and the influence and the holy, sacred thing it is to be alive. It's that. A lot of things you could do that aren't wrong. But boy, they sure sabotage that birthright. They sure... So let's, let's be a bit more concrete with this. Next slide. See, sermons are meant to be wrestled with. So let's, let's wrestle a little bit. Do we despise our birthright? It, what does that mean, in case you've phased out? That means living today as if there's no higher purpose than what I want today. That next urge, that next ha adam. Do we despise our birthright? Let's say it this way. Do we live as though there's no higher purpose which profanes our destiny? And here's the problem with this. Once that pattern sets in... This pattern simply leads us from living to urge, to urge, to urge, to urge, to urge, to urge, to urge. Here's the problem, right? When you're 85 years old, you will look back on your life and see your life as fundamentally an intentional pursuit of everything I could be in God. And along the way, I made a lot of mistakes, but I was intentionally pursuing everything I could be in God. You'll, You'll come to that conclusion. Or you'll look at your life and go, you know what? Sadly, my life was simply living from urge to urge to urge to urge to urge to urge to urge. urge," And it never measured up. And here's what's so important to the text. Esau comes in. Ha adam, ha adam! Give me that red stuff, that red stuff! I'll die without what's in the bowl. Ha adam, ha adam! I think Jacob, who was had a bit of a deceitful thing in, I think he sort of went, yeah, 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 yeah. Ha adam, ha adam, ha adam! And he trades his birthright for a bowl. And then this is very subtle, but it tells us in the text what was in the bowl. What was in the bowl? Lentils. What is that? beans next slide what seems so great the red stuff ends up being a cup of beans he traded everything he could be for what ended up being a bowl of beans the Ha adam adam was just beans let's say it this way next slide esau traded everything he could be for a bowl of beans she came to my office 16-ish she's quite shaken you know stressed i said to her i was the pastor on call that day i said to her what happened and she said i thought he would love me more if i crossed that line and she said i got to be fair I was worked up myself. She said he didn't rape me or anything. She said I I was into it. And I got so worked up, I thought I would die without crossing that line. And then I did. And I feel lonelier than ever before. If I could put my language on that. She thought she would die. And then she sold everything about her purity. And when she did, at the end, she looked at him and thought, beans. It was just beans. It's just one more piece of cake. (laughs) That's all it is. I know. I know I struggle with overeating. I know I struggle with weight. I tell, I tell my friends all the time how unhappy I am with my body. But it's just this one more piece of cake. And it's in the refrigerator. And it's calling to me. When I open the refrigerator door, it's ha-adam, ha-adam. Ha-adam, 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 ha-adam. And then I give in and I eat all that icing. And as soon as it's in my stomach and I can't taste it anymore, I think, beans. If you've ever struggled with addiction or know someone, this is exactly what it is. It's just one more hit of heroin. That's all it is. Come on, one more. That, that one more will do it. That one more hit. That one more. That one more. And, I, and we trade everything we could be, our credibility with our family, for one more hit. And when it's over, it's just beans. It's just one more beer. Just one more. And you know whether you can have one and then stop, or whether when you have one, you're going to have 20. You know the difference. Right? You open that refrigerator door and there it dam Ha-dum, dam. You think, I'll die without that. And we trade everything we could be, all of our credibility with our family, for one more drink. And at the end of it, it's just beans. Oh, if I just buy that one more thing. I'm missing this one more material thing that if I just had it, it'll make me feel better. I saw this shirt. and I'm sure that shirt will make me feel better about myself, and so I'm going to put it on a credit card because I don't have the money, and I'm going to pay for nine months for a seventy-dollar shirt because that sounds smart. <laughs> then I'm going to complain that I'm broke. Ha, Adam! Ha, Adam! And we do it, and it's just beans. You know what? You know what made me feel better? A new car. That's what will make me feel better, a brand new car. I think it would be smart to buy something that's going to lose 50% of its value in three years. I think that's brilliant. And I'm going to do it on credit. I'm going to pay 9% interest on something losing 50% of its value. Now, th- 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 that would be really good. That's wise. That's really, really wise, right? And here's the thing. Guys understand this better than women. Guys have something called car fever. Car fever. Car fever is when you get convinced that you need to dry something new and then you rationalize it for needing something more reliable, right? And, we, we, right. and, we, and, and we, we, we go through this, right? We're like, I just desperately, I'll feel so much better if I get the V8. I'll feel so much better about myself. That car is the secret to the disappearance of my lack. Now, the last thing you wanna do when you have car fevers, go to a car lot, right? Because all a car salesman's doing is going, "Ha, dam, ha, a dam, Ha, a dam! Ha, a dam, ha, a See, car salesmen have a car fever thermometer. Right? They just don't tell you it's rectal, right? And here's what they do. Here's what they do. They're very clever. They put off your first payment 45 days, which is just long enough for that new car smell to wear off. And then that first payment comes due, and you look in the garage, and you're like, "I'm paying how much for this? It's going down how fast in value?" I just traded five years of financial peace for ha adam ha adam, and at the end, I realized it was just beans. It was just beans. Let's say this one more way. Next slide. Is the story of your life going to be a pursuit of the birthright or a summation of living from urge to urge? That's my question this morning you've got two choices. Your life can be an intentional pursuit of everything God has for you, or your life can be a pursuit of every ha'adam, ha'adam that comes along. And some of those adams aren't wrong, but they'll ruin your life. Your life will either be a summation of living for what God has for you, or it'll be a summation of urge to urge to urge to urge. Here's some insight Jesus gave us on this. Next slide. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, that sentence makes sense without a word. He must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. But that's not what Jesus said. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Good decisions don't work like bank accounts. Good decisions renew themselves every single day. So I urge you, my brothers and sisters of equippers, to be wise Don't be the masters of good and evil. That's boring. Be wise. Ask the deeper question. Ask the better question. Live a more profound life. There's a lot of things that aren't wrong, but they're not wise. Let me stop and pray for you, and let's let's stop and meditate on this for a second. So, Lord, we ask you for the grace to see things different and the irresistible urge to respond to what we see. Right there where you're sitting and all across New Zealand in the live stream. I want you to be brave enough to ask this question. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me my bowl? What is my ha'adam, ha'adam? What have I been trading the more profound thing for an urge? Let's take 10 seconds of quiet. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us our bowl? Lord, would you give us the grace and the courage to destroy our bowl? Call it what it is. It's a lie. It's an urge. It's not going to do what we think it's going to do. It's going to make a promise it can never keep. It's going to do that. It's going to make a promise it can never keep. Lord, I pray for... Everyone across the Equippers Network today that's here and watching by live stream, I pray that that unction of the Holy Spirit would come over us and give us the courage and the freedom to break the powers of the ha'adams, adams in our life, to break the power of the urge so we can live out of a more profound yes. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would settle over us now. Give us the courage to act Irresistible urge to act upon what we hear. Amen. Would you look this way? Thank you so much for letting me be your guest this morning. I hope you really love that. I hope Jesus got bigger, the cross worked better, the resurrection center on scriptures got bigger, not smaller. I bless you to be people who don't master right and wrong, but rather master what is wise. I bless you to be people who are never imprisoned to the Ha Adam, Ha Adam. Because when we say yes to the bowl, We're gonna find out one day that what we thought was our life source was actually just beans. Until I see you tonight, grace and peace everybody. God bless.